Hello, welcome to LRC Chats. My name is Alex. Today we decided to do something very special for all you guys. Instead of giving you a long episode, uh, we decided to ask some of the questions that you guys have shared with us during our uh, newsletter or sessions and just to share some knowledge that we have acquired throughout the years. How are you doing, Edward? I'm pretty good. Okay, so one of the major questions that um, I received recently is, how do you find motivation to go to a class that you're not very interested in or that it's not related to your major whatsoever? What would you say to a student like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's something that we often struggle with. We think that we should be really enjoying every class that we're in, and if we don't enjoy it, or if it's not relevant to our major, particularly some of those GE courses, right? That somehow we don't have to care as much about them, or that it's okay to not be interested, and and then we kind of lose motivation to go to those things. But what I would say is you should challenge yourself to start thinking at higher levels and see every class as important to your full curriculum. When you come to college, the goal isn't just complete your major coursework, right? That general education is there for a reason. It's there to develop the way you think about the world, um, to challenge yourself, to discover uh, things about yourself that you never realized. And so I think these courses can be a really great opportunity to expand your horizons. Now, if you need to make them a little more interesting, let's say the content just isn't working for you, try to find relations to your major. So let's say you are an anthropology major, which I was um, back in the day, and I'm taking an engineering introduction class. I would maybe try to find some overlap between what I think or I'm learning as an anthropology student and what I'm learning in this engineering class. Can I, can I see where they do intersect? Can I see the application between the two fields? And that's actually a really high level of thinking um, and it will help your brain and to strengthen and to make connections between things, which will definitely help you later on in your future coursework and also in the workplace. And my last tip for that is try to incorporate things that would make the class more interesting for you. So let's say the instructor's style just isn't working. You don't like the PowerPoints they use or you wish there were more group discussions. Well, then find ways to incorporate those things into the class, right? You can start a study group or you can draw your own visuals in your notes if that's something you need to keep you focused and paying attention. Um, Start emulating the things that you like from the courses you do like and, and bring them in yourself. Right? Just because an instructor shares information a certain way doesn't mean you only have to take it in that way. Now, what happens when, I don't know, for example, me, right? I'm a political science major. And let's say I happen to take an engineering class, like you said. The way you have to study for those classes and learn for those classes are totally different. Mm. So how do you merge your ability to do good in that class by introducing like the techniques that you already use in your social science classes into an engineering class, which is the total opposite. I would say they do seem like total opposites, right? Um, the polar examples we typically use are English or math. Are you an English person or a math person? Exactly. Right? And we kind of place these things at opposite ends of the spectrum. But instead, I would argue that learning is learning. And if you learn how to learn really well, which is the focus of our program here in the LRC, um, then you can learn anything. Right? It, it becomes this pattern, this toolbox that you can use. And so though there are certain techniques that, that may be more advantageous to use in a math class over, say, an English class, at the end of the day, any technique that you can implement will help you learn any material better. Right? Can you give me an example of one of these techniques that you can use in any class? Yeah, sure. So let's say somebody says, I... I like rote memorization. I use flashcards to study for history, to memorize dates and and people. But that doesn't work in my math class, right? Because I memorize the formula, but I don't know how to use the formula. 
what I would say is, wait a minute, that's not a very solid technique for learning anything, actually, right? You're just memorizing a bunch of information. And that's really not the goal of college. The goal is to start thinking a little bit more deeply. So instead, let's go ahead and think about that math class. Just rote memorization is not helping you out. So what's something uh, more in depth you could do? Maybe that is doing practice problems. Maybe that's going on Khan Academy and following along with a video. But then maybe it's now starting to break math apart and really understand how it's working, not just that it works, right? We fall into this trap of, I memorize this formula, I can plug in numbers, I can get the right answer. But that's actually not really deep levels of learning. Ask yourself, why is it this way? Why is a negative times a negative a positive, right? I know that's true, but why is that true? And then you can also do the same thing in English. You're telling me that this poem is, is something deeper than it really is, but why? Can I analyze the language? Can I analyze the subtle nuances that my instructor keeps talking about? Can I find those things? And so there's an example of that technique working in both places. Though it's expressed a little bit differently, the goal is trying to break it apart and understand those inner workings. I guess through our academic skill sessions, I have given similar advice, but I always encounter the counter argument to, I don't want to do all that for a GE or for a class that I don't really care. Yeah. So do you think this is mainly a motivation issue or it's an actual just the way you're studying for that class? Yeah, it could be, it could be both things. And I would say often it is both things at the same time. So yeah, maybe it, it's the way you're studying for the class, but if you're not motivated to do it, again, particularly if it's a GE class and you, you're not willing to put in all of that effort, well, that's where the problem is. You really need to step back and ask yourself, why am I taking this class? The class isn't there to make you miserable, though it feels that way sometimes. Um, the class is there to help you to grow and it's your responsibility as a paying student, you know, never forget that you're a paying student, to understand why am I taking this? I ha I'm supposed to be getting something out of this, right? So keep in mind your larger goal. Why are you at Cal Poly to begin with? Um, why did you pick your major? Why did you choose this general education class to meet this requirement? And see everything as a part of your professional career, right? This is just one step closer to getting you to where you want to be someday. And, you know, to make it even more concise, I personally, because I was able to take a intro to American government, that's why I decided to change my vision to political science. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, we come to college, you know, for career exploration, but you also come to college to explore yourself, right? So yeah. a lot of these classes are designed for that, for you to explore other fields and potentially find the future you, right? Right. So never feel guilty that potentially you don't like a GE, but you do like some others, right? Right, yeah. So that's perfectly fine, too. Another question that I get all the time is, what are some of the best ways to overcome this when it comes to, for example, things like class presentations and, and you know? Yeah. Um, public speaking is one of the most commonly cited phobias in America. And I recently read, I, I wish I could give you the exact stats, but I read that more people rank it above public speaking above the fear of dying. What? And so that means more people would rather die than <laughs> speak in public. Okay, I, feel like that I, I, guess, I guess that's what it means. Um, yeah, and that's really interesting to me. And typically this stems out of a couple of different areas. One may be under preparation. You feel like you aren't prepared to give a speech um, or a presentation. 
And maybe that's because you're not comfortable with the material or you doubt how much you actually know. But a great tip for that is realize if you put, a, put in enough effort to create a presentation about a topic, I'm willing to bet that you know more about that topic than anyone else in your class except for maybe your professor. Right, so you already are sort of this mini expert on that one topic. So that is already working in your favor. Another thing is maybe you are uncomfortable about your appearance. And so I think we all have maybe a hairstyle or an outfit or something that makes us feel a little bit more confident in ourselves. You know, where you look in the mirror and you think, yeah, this is a good day, right? Remember that outfit or remember that hairstyle or makeup or whatever it is that made you feel that way. And then use that on the day of your presentation. Try your best to channel the best version of you, the one that makes you feel the most confident. And I would say, you know, really have the confidence portrayed in your posture. You know, if that means sitting up nice and straight or standing up nice and tall, whatever that means for you. We've heard of things like that power pose, right? Not being afraid to make eye contact. Somebody who doesn't make eye contact looks nervous. Or at the beginning of a presentation, somebody who says, oh, sorry, guys, I'm really nervous. Uh, maybe I would have never guessed those things about you because you look so confident in your outfit or um, in your power pose. Right. Also, um, I mean, for anyone listening to this podcast, you guys notice that sometimes I am nervous and I sometimes stutter. But when you're doing a public uh, speaking presentation, um, whenever you make a mistake, I heard that most people don't even catch that. They don't even see it. But a lot of people decide to stop and not speak at all or, you know, retry themselves. So I guess one of the other tips that I could tell people from my personal experiences to not be afraid to make those mistakes. It's okay. I feel like people don't really see them, right? Yeah. And even one step further, don't apologize, right? We all naturally make these mistakes. We blunder. It's impossible to, to go straight through, even if you're fully confident something you're bound to slip up somewhere right but it's when you stop and make a note of it that then people notice most of what i'm saying right now is going in one ear and out the other right you're not catching on to every single word every single syllable but if i point something out now you've noticed it i would even argue to to an even more extreme um, extend that it's better for you to stutter a little bit say some things that are wrong sometimes than to sound rehearsed right because mm. i feel like once you sound rehearsed people are not they don't feel like it's a personal uh, discussion it's just you're just presenting right yeah and that's actually my third major point which is don't memorize a script it's actually a really bad thing to do we've we've all sat there listening to the robot presentation and it is so miserable right or they read every word on the powerpoint presentation and never make eye contact the second you start memorizing and that's all you're concerned about is saying every single word you're more you're putting more pressure on yourself and what happens when you forget one word your brain starts spiraling i don't know my presentation you start shaking now you're really nervous everybody's looking at me um and i just want to die right <laughs> um, and that's how we start to feel so don't be overly rehearsed i say it is good to practice practice in front of friends in front of family uh, a live audience and get their feedback and then use that to refine your presentation but don't overthink it sometimes we obsess over every tiny little detail and then that's what causes us to stumble i've i've heard previously that it's good to practice in front of a mirror mm -hmm. but i don't think that's a good idea right because um you don't get any feedback 
I would say it's a good place to start for a couple of reasons. Like it's good to see your your own face, to be aware of the things you do. For example, I've realized I'm an eyebrow talker. I move my eyebrows right. all the you time. You guys don't can't see it right now, but he's <laughs> doing that right now. Yeah, they're like dancing all over my face. Um, and I was never aware of that before. And now I am, so I can keep it under control or use it to my advantage if I need to. Right? But that's something I learned by speaking in front of a mirror. So I do think it's a great place to start. It helps with things like posture. Um, with your nonverbal cues, maybe you're doing something offensive with your hands, or maybe you're not standing up nice and tall. That's a great place to catch those things. But live um, practice is good for catching the actual information or practice with the speaking. Um, I've heard from previous students that, for example, when um, they, they know that they need help with, for example, in math class, mm-hmm. um, but they don't know exactly what to ask their professor during lecture or during office hours. What are some of the tips that you have for those students that sort of freeze against their professors? Um, asking questions in class is actually a really big fear too because it's kind of public speaking, right? Right. And we're afraid that we're gonna ask something that makes us look uninformed and um, that everyone else will make fun of us for asking. So what I say is if you have an informed question, then it's always a good question to ask. Um, so, you know, you don't want to just shout the first thing that comes to your mind when you have a question. You need to do a little bit of investigation first. So let's say before lecture, uh, your instructor has asked you to read your book. Most people don't. Um, I'd like to think most people do. Well, a big part of that is to help inform your questioning. So when you're reading a chapter and something really confused you, you can ask a very specific question about that concept. Well, I read in the textbook, blah, 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 but I still don't understand that. And here in your lecture, it's still not 100% clear. Could you go over that again for me? That tells the professor, hey, I read. Hey, I listened to you speak, and I'm still confused. I'm doing my part. Can you help fill in the gaps a little bit more? That is a very informed question, and nobody would laugh at a person who asks that type of question. Now, if you are asking an uninformed question, sometimes you may get a snarky response back, right? Because you asked something that was on page one of the reading and everybody else knows the answer, but you don't, right? Maybe that's a a reason to feel a little bit sheepish, but even then you are a student and, and the classroom is centralized. It's centered on your learning. So if you have to ask a question that maybe even is a little bit uninformed, that's okay too, right? All of us are here to help you succeed as a student. I feel like it's way better to have that question and you know ask during lecture than have that question during the exam and not know it exactly so always keeping that in mind right definitely because then you can't ask anybody exactly so then you're screwed right (laughs) Um, i guess now that finals are coming up um one of the questions that i get from every single student that i meet Um, is, you know, well, I'm a student, but I'm also a parent. I'm also a worker. I'm also involved in campus. So when it comes down to studying, what are some of the tips that you will give a student in order to balance all those things um, and still be able to do good in class? Yeah, I would say it's really two major tips that I have for this. So first off, there's something called um, spaced repetition. And this is the concept that spacing out your study sessions in smaller chunks is actually way more effective than one big chunk. So students think, I have to carve out three or four hours to study. Well, that's not true. All you really need is five minutes. 
people think that they need this long block of time and it can be really hard to find those long blocks of time. But actually, according to cognitive psychology, your brain reaches this point after so long where it just needs a break, right? But you're so focused on, this is my one five hour study session that I could find, so I have to just plow right through. But actually you're better off doing five one hour sessions or 10 30 minute sessions than you are one five hour session. So you really need much less time to study than you think because it's all spread out, right? So if you can find, you know, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening, and then the next day to a one hour pocket, great, utilize those. Alternate the different classes that you are studying for. Don't do them all back to back to back, you know, start mixing those exams. And that's a really great practice for your brain to switch gears and help strengthen it. And then my other tip for that is to make sure that your studying is meaningful. So the most meaningful way to study is through a process called active recall. And this is very contrary to what we think. Step one for most people when they study is let me pull out everything I have, my notes, my textbook, um, the notes I took in tutoring or from my professor in office hours. And let me just read these things over and over and over and over again. That's how most students study. But all you're doing is just focusing on memorizing, just trying to cram it into your brain, right? Now, rote memorization does work. We learned our alphabet that way. We said it thousands and thousands of times. Right. And now it's so cemented that you're not going to forget it. But I doubt you're going to repeat your psychology terms or your physiology terms thousands and thousands of times, right? So there's not enough time for them to stick in your brain that strongly. So instead, you want to do this practice called active recall, where you sit down and say, here's a list of terms that I should know, or here's a list of concepts that I know I'm going to be tested on. What is everything I know about this concept? So let's say you are taking an earth science class and it's something about volcanic eruptions. What is everything I know about volcanic eruptions? And start writing that down. Or if you're more of a talker, start, start saying it out loud, almost as if you're giving a presentation on this topic. And when you draw a blank, when you can't remember a certain step or a certain theory or a certain formula, whatever it is, write that down. Wait, I can't remember this. I can't remember that. And then after that process, after active recall is finished, give your brain a quick little mental reset, three to five minutes. Then you open up your book. Then you open up your notes and you fill in all of the gaps that your brain couldn't come up with. And you'll notice if you study this way, you need much less time than you realize. Also, one of the arguments that I've heard against that, especially from students that are in the STEM field, mm -hmm. is that, you know, well, I'm studying or I'm doing this assignment, and once I'm in the zone, professors actually tell me to just keep going and finish the assignments. Yeah. Do you think this is a, a, a bad advice to give to students? Mm. I wouldn't say it's bad advice. I would say that each person is different. We all have different uh, levels of mental stamina. So let's say I'm a computer coder. I can probably stare at that screen for eight hours and it feels like five minutes, right? Um, because my brain just works that way. Or maybe I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum and it's painful to study even past 20 minutes, right? You have to adapt for your own brain. And that's the beauty of learning is when you take control of your own learning process, realizing that you're in control, you're in control of your brain, you control how you absorb those things and then adjust accordingly. So I guess one of the major skills that a student should develop is paying attention to the way you learn or learn the way you learn, right? know how much time you can study for um, and when can you study right um, a lot of people are morning persons and a lot of people are afternoon persons right mm -hmm. and I feel like we often try to force ourselves to be this specific student that has to study this amount of time um, be at the library at this specific time because everyone else is uh, but in reality we are hurting ourselves right we're trying to imitate what we think the smart student looks like 
So I, I guess with all your tips, we're trying to emphasize that once again, it's really important that you pay attention to the way you personally learn and learn how much you can learn every day. Right, exactly. And that's been a running theme throughout this whole Q&A session, right? It's completely differentiated up to you. What's going to motivate you in a class you're not interested in? What is going to help that presentation be more comfortable for you? What is the right time for you to study? How long is the right amount of time to study? What is it that you know? That's, that's the thing about college. It's also personal. And so you need to take your eyes off of the professor, off the students around you, and start doing some introspection and reflection and things like coming to how to learn here in the LRC and asking yourself, how can I grow as a learner? How can I grow as a student so that these skills can follow me for the rest of my life? Also, one last thing that I want to know is that one of the most important things about learning is asking questions, like you said previously, um, and a perfect way for anyone listening to this podcast is to send those questions to us or come to tutoring or come to academic skills and share those questions because it might feel like you know you're supposed to know this already but that's what we're here for right right all right um so it was a pleasure having you this season um i hope we can continue helping students and um once again if any of the students need any help um they can always come to academic skills or tutoring at the lrc do you have anything else to add? Um, no, just it was a pleasure uh, doing the season and I'm looking forward to next time. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks.